to you out of the book of Luke tonight. I had the awful opportunity to pastor the downside of the youth. What I mean by that is I've had the unfortunate arena and opportunity to have to work through many kids that backslide. For the longest time, I was so confused, and it took great pain and great prayer to try to come to a conclusion to why people turn their back on Jesus Christ. I began to get vexed watching pastor's kids backslide. I have probably more teenage friends than I have adult friends. And I would couldn't explain and I couldn't figure out why someone that grew up in church or had been saved for a period of time or had tasted the goodness of God, why in the world that they would backslide? begin to dawn on me that something needs to happen. You and I can say all the right prayers, we can say all the right words, we can answer all the altar calls, but through the course of time, if there's not a healing of the heart, that's going to play out because your heart is not healed. You'll never serve God for the long haul. What makes that so critical, beloved, is some statistics that I have rounded up today. A gentleman by the name of George Berner writes these statistics of the churches of America. Listen carefully, they're staggering. One-third of the world's population are teenagers. Fifty percent of this one-third of the population attend some type of worship service. That's half of them. Four out of ten of every teenager attends Sunday school. From the age of 13 to 17, listen to this, two of every three teenagers will attend church functions for a period of time. But after the age of 18, 50% drop from this number. After the age of 18, 7 out of every 10 teenagers that attend church across America leave the church, and most of them do not return back until around the age of 30. There is a 75% failure rate amongst teenagers that can live for God. You and I in our fellowship do not bear the marks of such gross statistics, but I will tell you tonight that we do suffer a mean blow getting the youth to live for God during their teenage years, especially the latter. I want to talk to you about a young man in the Bible who something was desperately wrong with his heart. And it played out through the course of time. See, it's one thing to be saved right now. But it's a whole different story. I need to know, and God needs to know, and your folks, are you going to be here after you're 18? Or do you have a bad heart that's going to cause you not to live for God? For the long haul. The book of Proverbs says in chapter 4, verse 23, this is not our text, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This word issues means boundaries, deliverance, going forth and going out. It says to keep your heart with all diligence, because out of this are established the boundaries. Out of your heart is established the deliverance and the going forth. Listen to our text in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, 
And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the young son gathered together, gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. We had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him unto the fields to feed swine. And he would fain, having filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father's house, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father's house. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But thy father said unto thy servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat. And be merry, for this my son was dead, he is alive again, he was lost and he is found, and he began to be merry. Now, in this portion of scripture it is speaking about the younger son is the context. Now, it doesn't actually say who the father was, but we are able tonight to decipher and pull together and establish the fact that this young man came from a good home. We are able to see that the father evidently had been in the household for quite some time. He had his sons working, which is a good thing. He evidently was a good father because he had set aside for them an inheritance and a heritage and there was substance and there was inheritance spe specifically set aside for his sons, it is safe to say tonight that this young man came from probably a pretty good home. It is a perfect picture of you and I in the church. It is a perfect picture, beloved, of the establishing of what I believe is written for you and I to look at. Here the young man has something desperately wrong with his heart. I do not know a sane group of parents tonight that if their younger son came to them and said, Mom, Dad, give me mine inheritance, what is set aside for me, I want it now. You better know, beloved, that there was a fight. You better know that this wasn't the first time they dealt with this problem. Take a picture of this. The young son comes up and says, Dad, I know that you have a large inheritance, and I know part of it is set aside for me, and he's probably all of 18 years old. I couldn't establish the actual age for sure, but I know he was the younger brother, and all commentaries say that he was probably in the latter teens of his life. Dad, I want what is mine. Give me mine inheritance. I want it now. You better know, beloved, that that caused a war. You better know that for many, many, many weeks, Mom and Dad said, you know what? You're crazy. This cannot happen. I will not give you this before your time. I cannot give you this before your time. Knowing that the young man would not do well if he was a partaker of his inheritance before his time. And here, beloved, I firmly believe that this parent just got fed up. I believe there came a time 
that the young man nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged and complained and bellyached and complained and bellyached so long and so hard. Finally, Dad says, you know what? Here's your inheritance. Here it is. You want it? You win. Take it. I believe that's what's taking place here tonight. It is clearly a problem of the man's heart. There was a passion in this young son's heart to leave to a far country. Deeply lodged in this young man's heart was a deep-rooted problem. It did not matter, beloved, the wonderful home that this man had established for his son. It did not matter the inheritance that had been set aside and the many years to establish that. It did not matter all the good things that were done for this family. It did not matter to this young son all the love and the attention and all the different things that the Father has done to establish a good home for this son. What was lodged deep in his heart, beloved, was a heart that had a passion for riotous living. Deep in the man's heart, we find that this was the problem that was in him. I want you to know something. From out of the abundance of the man's heart, the mouth speaks. You need to listen to the words that your kids are speaking because their heart will speak. And tonight, some of you, as we get deeper into this sermon, some of your very own words that you've spoken are going to ensnare you tonight. And that's going to let mom and dad and pastor know that you have a bad heart. And God desperately wants to replace your heart tonight that you might be able to live for God for the long haul. There are sometimes teenagers, it does not matter what you say to them. They cannot connect the dots. They, they can't figure it out. I begin to think about juggling the blessing of God and the temptation of the world. It doesn't even compare. You begin to think about what kids want. They want to go out and get drunk and they want to go out and, and, and have sex and they want to go out and smoke dope. They want to go out and be crazy or fill their oats or hang out with the guys and they'll trade that in for the love of God, for the destiny of God that doesn't even make sense. You will find people with a bad heart cannot recognize the blessing of God in their home, the blessing of God in their family, the blessing of God in their church, there's a major breakdown because there's never been a healing of the heart. Listen carefully. This younger son had deeply rooted in his heart riotous living. That was in him. And through the course of time, beloved, that began to manifest itself. This young man couldn't wait until he got his inheritance. The minute I turn 18, I am out of here. Prescott is a little hick town. I want out of this place. A bad heart begins to speak. What was deeply lodged in his heart was riotous living. God, give me what is mine and give it to me now. I'm 18 years old. I'm of age. I want it now. I don't want to wait anymore. Totally forsaking. It's no different than waiting on a rich uncle or aunt to die. That's how bizarre this is. I want what's coming to me. I don't want to wait. I want it now. We have lodged in our hearts, beloved, 
a passion for a big city, a passion to be on our own, a passion to make our own decisions. It's deeply lodged in the heart of this young man. He has never had his heart healed. Though he comes from a good background, this process has not taken place. The word riotous living meant he had a passion for being unsaved. A passion to be void of standards. A passion to be profane. A passion to take and lower the things that are holy. I go to church only because my parents make me. I do this only because I grew up in this building. I do this only because I live under my daddy's roof. I have to do what they say. I only do this because... But oh, you wait till I get my inheritance. You wait till I get this. You see, beloved, a bad heart through the course of time begins to manifest itself as it did in this portion of Scripture. Unscrupulous living. Riotous. Wicked and sinful unethical, an unprincipled life to live in excess. This is deeply lodged in the boy's heart. Now, I desperately need you to be honest with me tonight. I don't for a moment believe the boy wanted to be this way. You and I better recognize that we are born of the sin nature. We are born with the blood of Adam running through our veins. I don't believe the young man really wanted to do this. But what was deeply lodged in his heart, beloved, began to establish the issues of his life. It began to dictate to his young life. And it was here that we find that he was driven by the passions of his heart. He had a passion just to back away. He had a passion of riotous living. And it was deeply lodged in the man's heart. Listen carefully. The heart is very critical to understand. I did a deep study on the word heart. It means the innermost part of the center of the natural condition of the man. Listen to this. The heart is the center of the body of life. It is the reservoir of the entire life power. Strengthening of the heart becomes the strengthening of the whole man. The center of the rationale spiritual nature of man is the heart. Thus, when a man determines upon anything to presume in his heart to do so, it is strongly determined and it stands firm in his heart. 1 Corinthians 7.37 What is done gladly, willingly, and set for purpose is done from the obedience of the heart. The heart tonight is the seat of love. It is the seat of hatred. It is the center of thought and conception. The heart knows, beloved. It understands. It reflects. It is the heart that is the center of all affections, the center of pain. It is the center of the degree of our will. You and I, beloved, better understand that we are going to follow through with whatever is in our heart. You're going to get and you're going to do whatever is in your heart tonight. It is the seat of pride and the seat of darkness. It's also the seat of love. It is the innermost life circle of humanity. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the central organ of the passion, the driving force of a man. And if this thing does not get healed, you are going to get what's in your heart, whether it be good or bad. Some of us tonight, though our mind wants to live for God, there are things deeply lodged in your heart, things that you try to suppress. I'm going to tell you something, unless your heart can get healed, you're going to follow through with the passions of your heart. What took place in our text 
is we find a young man, in spite of his wonderful exampleship, in spite of all the love that was shown to him, in spite of it all, because riotous living was deeply lodged. You couldn't tell at first, but through the course of time it began to show itself for what it really was. This man followed through with everything that was in his heart and you need to recognize that God did not stop him. I want to talk to you about the passions of the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You and I are ultimately going to be rewarded and ultimately going to follow through with what is in our heart. Take a look at our text. Not many days after the young man won the battle with his parents, not many days after he finally got the opportunity to move out. Not many days after he got and won the victory. Finally, his mom and dad said, That's it. We're not fighting no more. You don't have to go to church no more. You don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to tell Pastor Mitchell, I'm tired of fighting with you. Just do what you're going to do because you're going to do what you're going to do anyway because you're going to be rewarded for what is the doings of your heart. Time reveals it. This is what explains why someone can live for God for so long and seemingly do so well. But there's a bad heart and there is never the healing that takes place. And because of the lack of healing, not many days after they reach a certain age, have you ever noticed it's all about the same age? Our kids run for the hills, man. They're gone. And we find out they're in these wicked relationships and they're living for the devil. And we wonder what's wrong, what has happened. And we as parents go through all kinds of battles and all kinds of struggles. And you make us feel like we did a horrible job with your life. We didn't love you enough. We didn't give you enough. We didn't do what was right when the real problem is there was never a healing of your heart. What explains why people can backslide so quick? Their heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And God says, Know this, for I search the heart, and I give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. We will get what's in our heart. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he went ahead and took his journey to the far country. That's deeply lodged in some young kids here tonight. Deeply lodged. You have said nothing, but as you speak and as you argue and as you do what you do, what is being made manifest true condition and the marks of an unhealed heart and I'm here to stop you and to warn you that you're going to be rewarded for that. The moment he got his inheritance he took off to the far country it was there that he began to follow the passions of his heart. It was there that he began to exercise all that was in him he finally is found free he's outside of this I don't have to do this anymore. No one can tell me anything anymore. I am on my own. Hallelujah. No one is watching. No one knows. No one ever knows that I grew up in church and the passions of his heart begin to take place. And we find, beloved, that it was here that he journeyed to the far country and his heart began to manifest itself. And here, beloved, what was deeply rooted in him is he began to spend all. That word means he began to do everything he thought that he missed out on. He went and he spent all. I've seen many young kids turn their back on God after serving God five years, 
and it's interesting to me. They moved to Phoenix and you get reports that they're drinking and they're smoking and they're dating and they're doing every single thing they thought that the gospel robbed from them. They're doing every single thing that that church took from them. There is a bitterness that is in them that is unprecedented. I'm going to do everything I missed out on. I'm going to do everything that I couldn't do when I was in that church. I'm going to do everything I ever wanted to because we went to church and because of Jesus, I'm going to go do everything that I ever wanted to do. And that begins to manifest itself. Spent all. Wasted and squandered and consumed. He got his reward. God didn't stop him, beloved. See, you know what? Sometimes I don't think we understand the wages of sin. It really is death. Here we have protected you and spoke to you and covered over you. And we find that deeply rooted in our hearts is these bizarre... Pa- Can I ask you a question? What's in some of you guys today? Now, be honest. Just to yourself. What's in you? What is driving you? I know you look good on the outside. You're in ties. You're all cleaned up. But you know what? I know better. I've seen too much. I've suffered too much. What in the world is driving you? What's moving you? What's in your heart? Mine, beloved, he got a reward. God didn't stop him. Then a famine came in the land, destitute and hungry and wantonness. This young man found himself joined to that civilization, joined to the world. He would not come home. You know why? Pride wouldn't let him. If I go home, I'm going to have to submit and recognize that Dad was right again. Pastor was right again. I'm never going back to... No, 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 no. I will join myself with the citizens of this city. Here, beloved, he got his reward. He got to slop the pigs. During this mighty famine, we find, beloved, in verse 15, that he joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he, they sent him to the fields to feed the swine, and he would have died had it not been for the husks of the swine that he ate, and no man gave to him. You better listen to me tonight. We have this strange concept because of a bad heart that the world is full of glamour and opportunity. It is about as secure as the AIDS virus. And here he steps out to follow the passions of his heart. He runs off to school. He runs off to do whatever he does. And here, beloved, he puts God on the back burner. And we find that he is living with the pigs. And he would have died had it not been for that. It came down upon his life. He got his reward and God allowed this to happen. God did not stop this. God did not intervene. God rewarded the doings of his heart. You are ultimately going to get whatever's in your heart. Something took place in this young man's life. That's where I want to bring you to tonight. This man got his heart healed. And I really believe tonight that there's many young folks in here tonight that your heart is bad. You want to do right. You want to live for God. But you are battling the passions of your heart. You can't get rid of these passions. And here, beloved, in this portion of Scripture, we find a supernatural, miraculous working of God's grace 
as God is able to reach into this man and give him a new heart. Some of us need a new heart or you're not going to be here for the long haul. Some of us need a healing of the heart or you're going to follow the passions of your heart. A supernatural restoration can take place in this building tonight if we will recognize what took place in this young man's life. I want to talk to you about the rite of passage to the restoration of the heart. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 28, it says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You know what God wants to do tonight? He wants to give you a heart and the ability to follow in His statutes by His power. I have learned one thing about young folks. They try so hard to live for God in their own ability. They try so hard to do it on their own. You cannot do this on your own. The condemnation hits you. You struggle and you fall again. You're really trying with your whole heart. You're really trying your best. And you fall again and the condemnation comes upon you. And that alone doesn't let you progress. God says, I'll take out that bad heart. And I'll give you a new heart. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will cause you to obey my commands. It is something that God will do. Let me tell you something. Living for God is not never meant to be the survival of the fittest. It was never meant to be one struggle to the next. It was never meant to be this tormenting pressure of the inability not to do. God says with a new heart and a healing of your heart, I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will make this as natural as breathing. I will cause you to do my will and to obey my commandments. I will cause this to happen. There must be a restoration of the heart. I must, the Bible says, give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Because what we're talking about tonight is passing the torch to a generation that can stand the test of time. Let's look and see how this younger son got healed. Listen carefully. This is why some of you, you'll answer an altar call, but you get up unchanged. Parents, have you ever seen your kids do that? They really seem like they're trying, but they can't connect the dots. They can't make it happen. They can't make it stick. They'll do good for a little while, then all of a sudden, here we go again. They're struggling with the world. They're struggling with sin. They're struggling with wicked friends. They're struggling with dope in the end. They're struggling with everything that life has to offer. I begin to look at that and say, what a gross comparison. They can't seem to see the glory and the wonder and the life life-given gift of God upon their life and they're able to trade that away so quick, beloved. They need a new heart. I'm bored. Do I have to go to church? Rather hang out at the arcade. Rather hang out at the school. Rather hang out with their sinner friends. I don't like the church kids, Mom. They're weird. They're nerds. I don't like to go... And you hear it all the time. What's taking place, beloved, is the, their heart is speaking out. Their heart is telling you that it is bad. Their heart is telling you that they need to be healed in that area. Or when your kids turn 18, put on your seatbelts because they're going to break your heart. They're going to break your heart. How in the world did this young man get healed? first thing that our text notes 
he came to himself. Young folks, this is a youth rally. Let's just zero out the older people. I want to talk to you. They came to themselves. You're going to have to come to yourself tonight. Can I ask you a question? Are you really saved? Do you really know? I know you grew up in church. I know you answered an altar call. I know you got set free from what... But do, are you saved tonight? Do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? Why are you here? Are you really here because you love God and your heart pants after doing right? Or are you here because this is what you do? Why are you here? See, this young man came to himself. It began to dawn on him that he wasn't everything he thought he was. He came to himself. He looked in the mirror one day and said, You know what? This is not a good scene. I am a fake. This was stupid. This was wrong. I should have never done this. I should have never allowed this to happen. I should have listened. I should have done what was right. This young man came to himself. Young folks, we have such an ability to be chameleons. We can change colors with the terrain. With deep lodged in our heart for a nickel, we'd be somewhere else doing something else. He came to himself. You're going to have to be honest with yourself tonight. Are you a victim of a bad heart? Are you one who is struggling with these bizarre passions and desires? These strange words that ooze out of us? When he came to himself, the Bible says that he recognized a few things. Now this is a hard task for us, is to recognize and to realize. Listen to the Scripture text. The hired servants of his father's house have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. He recognized that all by himself. See, this man wanted to be healed. This man did not need to be persuaded. He was not even in a church setting. Instead of wanting to run from his father's house, like we do, he began to realize that my life serving God in its worst day was better than any day I ever experienced in the world. Though, look at my father's servants live better than I do. Even the maids and the, and, and the ones working on the farm and the, even the hired hands have it better off than me in the world. See, that's a hard battle to win. Our pride will not allow us to realize and to recognize that living for God really is the only sane thing on the planet. But this man came to himself. He said, my life is a mess. I perish with hunger. The word perish means he recognized that he was fully destroyed. The word actually denotes separation and departure and reversal. Listen to that. You show me a teenager that starts getting squirrely, they'll immediately separate themselves. They immediately want to depart. Immediately. Listen to them talk. You will hear it in their language. You will hear the passion to depart and to leave. You will hear that in them. These are marks of a bad heart. Here this young man recognized that he was separated from God. He realized that he was not where he was supposed to be. He realized that he had been separated from God through his own heart. He recognized that he was he was separated and that he was caused to be to be to, to live in departure, beloved. This denotes destruction. I perish with hunger. 
but the hired servants have bread enough to spare. He begins to remember all the principles of his father's house. That word bread enough to spare at his father's house means supernatural ability, maturity and growth. It actually means the supernatural abounding grace of God in abundance and things that were better and exceedingly increased and and the power to remain. It actually means blessing and grace. He began to recognize that there was blessing and grace in his father's house, but he came to that conclusion himself. Some of us, you know, we have the strangest concept of salvation. You must recognize this is the greatest thing that ever happened to you. You must recognize that God shed His blood and reached down one day, whatever the circumstances are, and you need to recognize the glory and the wonder and the grace of that. But a bad heart will not allow that to take place. This man began to recognize that he was separated from God and the blessing was in his father's house. Look what he does next. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father's house. Listen to this. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He repents and asks for forgiveness. I believe a lot of times we miss God because we try to come back in the doors and just bleed into the crowd, don't we? We're still not right. We're still struggling. We still don't feel the grace of God. How many of you have done something stupid and then come back and sit in these chairs and feel absolutely nothing? And it's a struggle just even to sit there. You feel nothing. You have a bad heart. Unmoved as a rock. You sit there. Can't worship. Can't sing. Can't clap. Can't get excited. Can't do anything with any enthusiasm at all. Your heart is still bad. He repented and asked for forgiveness. That's very critical that you recognize this. I will go back to my father's house and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you he humbles himself. Verse 19 is very potent. Look at the humility here. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose, came to his father. He humbled himself before God. The process of healing. He came in the back doors and said, I'm not even worthy to be here. I'm not even worthy to be called His Son. I have messed up. I have violated God. I have violated my Father. I have violated everything that's right. I'm not even worthy to be accepted. I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to be accepted in the Beloved. We live in a day when people come back to church. I'll go back. But if they say one bad thing, You'll come in and sit down and all it takes is one of your brothers. Hey, where you been, bro? Man, long time no see. Hey, man, you're not my mom. Don't tell me where to go. I knew it. I knew it. You guys just want to run my... No, you got a bad heart. I'll go, but I'm just going to sit there. Then you sit on the surface. Not because you're a bad kid. You just got a bad heart. Won't get involved with nothing. In your heart, you're saying, oh, wait till I get out of here. It's a bad heart. This man humbly came in. God, I'll just be a servant.
I'll do anything. I just want what I took for granted back. I'm not even worthy. God, forgive me. I'm not even worthy. You know what? I took you for granted. I profaned you. All the days I was in church, I didn't care. God, I'm not even worthy. You know what, God? I'm not even worthy. But if you'll let me just, if you'll just let me be a servant, just let me be a anything, anything, anything. The healing process has begun. Watch carefully. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm not worthy to be called thy son. This is an attitude that God responds to. God is going to resist the proud. But He's going to show grace to the humble. I want to close this evening with the heart that's received. In verse 20, this attitude can be seen When you want to get right with God, beloved, listen to me. Everyone can see it. But when you have no intentions of getting right, we can see that too. Did you hear me? I want you kids to live for God a while. I want you young folks to be able to do the will of God. Your heart has to be healed. This man says, and he arose and came to his father's house. Listen to this. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Even from a great distance, his father could see humility. That attitude can be seen. I just want to do whatever it takes. I just want to do what's right. I just want to come home. I just want to live for God. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Sinned against you, Dad. God, I I should have never done this. I'm sorry I nagged you. I'm sorry I pushed you. I'm sorry I made you bend the rules. I'm sorry I put so much... I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This story is here that you and I don't have to eat with the pigs before we get right. You'll get what's in your heart. I just want to be a hired hand. And while he was yet a great way off, his father was able to pick up that spirit. And the Bible says he had compassion on him and he did not reject him. He did not give him a hard time. He did not tell him, I told you so. The new heart that was in him, his father drops everything, runs with compassion after him, puts his arms around him, kisses him. Because this man was able to receive a new heart. Father saw him, and it released compassion, it released love, it healed the distorted relationships scarred by each other. Don't you know that they fought? Don't you know that they probably killed each other? Don't you know long before he threw him his inheritance that there was big time problems in that house? But when the young man's heart was healed, listen to me, when the young man recognized that salvation was the only way, when the young man let God heal his heart, it even healed the wounds and the scars that were inflicted during the early days of childhood. Dad could see it. Beautiful thought here. Because he had received a new heart, the father said, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring thither the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. He began to be merry. The word robe, the best robe, this is what makes the grace of God so precious. 
when he humbled himself before God and there was a healing that took place? That word robe means equipment. God placed on that young man the equipment, the clothing, the outer garment worn by kings and priests of a person of rank, the equipment needed to do the will of God, the best robe, the best stuff, the first in rank. He put back honor. He put back principle. He put back uh, dignity. He put back the equipment needed to do the will of God. There was a total restoration. God put on the ring the token of covenant. said, I will make a new covenant with him, a symbol of covenant. They banded together the, the significance of the ring. Banded together for the common end. The shoes that were put on his feet actually means to bind under their feet. Gave them the power and the supernatural ability to put Satan under their feet. All because of the healing of the heart. My son was once dead, but now has been made alive. The word means he has been revived and restored and rebuilt with the supernatural power of the total restoration of a new heart. Tonight, God will give you a new heart. Young folks, I pastor enough kids for a long time I can see some of you are struggling even with the simple passions of the world. Some of you are caving in to peer pressure. Some of you cannot handle the pressure of the kingdom of God. Some of you are like the younger son. The minute you get of age, you are out of here. Sad thing when kids go away to school. They don't live for God the minute they get into university. For a long time, I used to think it's the school. They can't, you know, it's not the school. It's your heart. It's your heart. It's your heart. I stopped feeling guilty as a pastor. I stopped feeling guilty as a parent. No matter what I do and no matter what I've done and no matter how bad I begged and no matter how many sermons I preached, it didn't matter. Without the healing of the heart, they want their inheritance. They want it now. I want what's mine now because deeply lodged in their heart. Joy tonight is if you will meet these marks, if you will be re willing to respond to the Word of God and you'll recognize a few things. Let's talk tonight. You'll realize. You'll real look at your salvation tonight. Look at where you're at. You really saved? What's in you? What are your desires? What's really driving you? Will you recognize tonight serving God really is the answer? Some of us have profaned that. Everything you say and everything you do is a mark of it. I've been intently watching you as you worship and as you sing, as you interact, so I can figure out where the heck you're at. If your generation will even touch the world for God, or you'll be a part of the 75 out of 100. The moment you get a chance, you're going to backslide to you about 30. Youth have a tremendous opportunity, but you're going to have to realize a few things, recognize, come to yourself. Some of you are going to have to say, Father, I've sinned against you, against heaven and against you. And humble yourself before God. 
A new heart I will give you. A new spirit I will put within you. I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I shall be your God. But you're going to have to be willing to get your heart healed. There's even older folks that are victims of this. The roller coaster ride of saved for six months and backslide. Saved for a year, then backslide. Come back, do what's right, two years, backslide. The ins and the outs of the roller coaster Christianity is a bad heart. Will you let God give you a new one? Tonight, if you'll be honest before God, God will give you a new heart supernaturally. A supernatural healing will take place. And from this day forward, you'll be a new person. You'll want to do the will of God. You'll want to worship. You'll want to obey. It will be a joy and not a burden. It will be exciting and not boring. It will be the greatest thing you've ever seen. You'll recognize that with your own mind if you get a new heart. I'll take out that stony heart. Some of you girls, you have a hard time living for God. You're not into it at all. I want you to bow your heads tonight. You're in this place tonight. Maybe you're a visitor. You were invited by one of your friends. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not born again. Or you once served God in your backslid. And tonight, you want to choose this night to get right with God. I want to see your hand. Say, you know what, Pastor Artie? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to get right with God. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart very quickly. Very quickly all over this place. You want to get, get right with God. I want you to lift your hand all over this place. Maybe you brought a friend. You can take just a moment to talk to him and encourage them. What I'm really after tonight is I'm after some of you young men and young women especially. Everyone here tonight, but I'm after the young ones tonight. Especially. You have a bad heart? You have a bad heart tonight? How many of you tonight will recognize that you have a bad heart? Everything's a struggle, everything's a burden. You really want to do what's right, but man, you struggle with that. Passion's driving you, deeply loved in your heart. How many of you will be honest before God and say, you know what, Pastor Artie, I've got a bad heart. With no one looking around, I want you to lift your hand and say right here, I am the man. I am the woman. Quickly. Lift your hands all over this place. I need my heart healed. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see this hand. I see this hand. Anybody else will be honest before God and say, I need my heart healed. I see that hand. I want to live for God for the long haul. I need a new heart. I need a heart of flesh. I see that hand. Anybody else? I need deliverance from my own heart's desires. I see that hand. Anyone else? How many tonight? I see that hand. How many tonight? Say, you know what? God put in me a new heart. Put in me a new spirit. I really want to do this with everything in me. I see that hand. Anybody else? See that hand. See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand in the back. That hand. Anyone else? I need a new spirit in me. I need a new driving force. Everything's a struggle. Everything's hard. How many else? Who else tonight? You'll be honest before God. I need a new heart. See that hand. You can put it down. God wants to help you tonight. God wants to do mighty wonders in your life. But your heart needs to be healed. I see that hand. You need to live for God for the long haul. Some of you are scared to death to leave home, scared to death to be alone. Because you will not serve God. 
Anybody else God's speaking to? You want to get right before God? You want a new heart? Maybe there's some adults that God's speaking to. You need a new heart. Maybe you're a young married couple. You can feel the pressure. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. The battle of your affections. You want to do the will of God, but your affections are somewhere else. How many of you will be honest before God and say, you know what, I want a new heart tonight. Quickly. Quickly. I want the church to stand with me tonight. You raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand. If you want God to place in you a new heart tonight, I want you to come and I want to pray. Many of you, God.